How are you guys doing this morning? All right, good, good. Um, hey, last week we started a new series uh, called uh, We Are the Church in here at Grace and Tiffin. Um, we're like a new church. I mean, we've only been around for just over a year. This is a, a group of people that God has never brought together before to do church. And, uh, and so we're a new church. And one thing that I know is that we got two types of Christians in here, or mostly, let's say mostly two types of Christians in here. Uh, one, you know, some of you, this is all new to you. Right? You haven't been a Christian very long. You haven't, um, you know, maybe within the last few months you started your relationship with God or your journey with God. Uh, or maybe it was within the last few weeks. And so this is all new. You don't feel like you know everything. You're like, you know, you, you feel like, you know, you don't know exactly how everything works. And, and that's totally okay. We want you here. Okay. This is where you need to be, church. All right. This is where we're all learning uh, this stuff together. Uh, but then another group of Christians in here, it seems like, uh, you know, we've, we've been we've had a relationship with God maybe for decades, right, for a long time. Uh, nothing is new. We've read through the Bible. You know, we've, we've gone to church for, for years and years and years and years. We've heard all the, the stories and, you know, and all that type of stuff. And, uh, and, and what I know for us is that it is easy for us to get off track. And I'm not saying we go out and, like, murder somebody or something. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm saying it's easy for us to get off track in our minds, all right, we forget what the church is here for. We forget how we as the church are supposed to act and are supposed to function. And so that's why real quick, before we get all into Christmas, which is coming, is coming quick, uh, I wanted to get in and, uh, and do a quick series just on the church and uh, just to kind of get, get us all on the same page. Some of you guys, is going to be new information, new stuff. You're going to oh, okay, that's what the church, you know, is supposed to, that's how, that's what they're supposed to do. And then for others of you, it's going to be like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I know that. I, it's, it's just good for us to... To be reminded. Uh, and this morning, or let's go back last week. Last week, we kicked off the series talking about the foundation of what our church and what the church is supposed to be built on, and that is strictly truth. Okay, now where do we get that truth? We get that truth from, from right here, God's Word, okay, the Bible. Now, not all churches do that, right? We got to understand that, okay? A lot of churches, they interject opinion and stuff like that, which isn't truth, which is flawed and man-made and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so, but that's not what we do here at Grace. Other churches, they do it off of tradition, okay? Tradition from the last 2,000 years, church tradition and stuff like that. Well, and while tradition and stuff isn't necessarily wrong, or a lot of it's not necessarily wrong, some of it I think is, all right, that's not what we are supposed to base our lives off of. We should base our li- go back uh, and, uh, and look at the truth and base our lives off of uh, the Bible. And so that's what we do here at Grace, and that's what we talked about last week when we talked about truth. Now this morning, what I want to do is I want to look at a specific set of truth, a set of truth, I don't know. That's how you say it, a specific truth, I guess. Um, and, and it's really the most important truth that God has given to us. Okay, and it's this thing that we as Christians uh, call the gospel. Okay, now some of you, you're sitting there and you're like, okay, I, I don't really know what that is. It's a churchy word. I've heard that before, but I'm not, you know, a little fuzzy on, on what gospel or what the gospel is. And basically the word gospel, it just means good news. Okay, pretty simple. It's just good news. And, but there's a specific set of good news. There I go again with the word set. Don't know. Um, there's, specific, there's a specific good news that God has given us um, that, uh, that, that really our church um, is, found, is, is, you know, keeps us up. And, uh, and again, that's called the gospel. And that's what we're going to look at today. 
Uh, recently, I've talked to, well, this isn't even recently, throughout my years of ministry, um, I've had people come up and, uh, and say something like this. And what I'm about to say is it this isn't anything new, okay? This is something that, you know, I think all pastors have heard. And even when I was doing middle school ministry as a middle school pastor years and years and years ago, I had sixth graders come and tell me this exact same thing, all right? It doesn't mean I agree with it, but it's just, it's just something that we as Christians do. I don't know why we do this, but, uh, but it, it, someone will come up to me, and they'll say something like this. They'll say, hey, Pastor Zach, all right, you know, I just don't feel like the church, or going to church, um, or, or church, it's just, not, it's just not deep enough for me, okay? Someone will say something like that, like, you know, I just, I just want to go deeper, and, and uh, actually had somebody um, uh, recently, she, she said, uh, you know, I, I already know everything, okay? And I'm like, oh, Really? Okay, maybe you should, you know, I don't know everything. Maybe you should be up there, not me. I don't know. It's like, for us as Christians, it's just kind of a way that we like, it's like uh, it's, we spiritually can kind of complain about the church a little bit. I'm not saying everybody has a terrible attitude when it comes to this. I'm not saying that. And for me, as, I, as I'm listening to stuff like this and when this happens, um, it's like, you know, while I appreciate the desire to go deeper, Right, I appreciate that. I think we should all have that desire. The Bible tells us that as Christians, we should have that desire. You know, um, yeah, I wish all of us did. You know, what I cannot explain enough is that it is not about knowing everything. It's not. It's not about how much you know. Okay, for some reason, I get. It's like it's like we believe that that is that is true, but it's not about knowing everything. It's about acting on what you do know. And the one thing that I know about that is that every single person in this room, we all struggle with that, including myself, right? We struggle with that. See, what we talk about here at Grace comes from the Bible. It's based on the Bible. It's based on, it's based on truth, as it should be. And personally, for myself, I learn and I am challenged every single week by the few verses that we talk about uh, here on Sunday morning as I, as I, as I read them, because it's God's word, and, and, they, and they, they, God deals with me in my life, and um, it's not about hearing this good news, this gospel once, and thinking to yourself, okay, I'm good, I already know that, yeah, you know, you know I'm, all, I'm all set. Every time we hear this truth, every time we hear this good news, it should, man, it should do something to you. I mean, it shapes you. It forms you. It should mold you. It should do something to you. And if it doesn't, let me just point out in like a gentle way, let me just say, if it doesn't, man, that's a hard issue with you. When I read, because um, there's many places throughout the New Testament, Paul, you know, almost in every letter, he's just constantly talking about the, talking about the Bible. You know, when I read a portion of Scripture and it doesn't, it doesn't do anything for me, man, that's a hard issue on me. See, Paul gives us one of the clearest, more concise explanations, or most concise ex explanations of the gospel in the entire Bible, and we actually see this in Titus, and that's what we're going to be looking at today. Titus is a book that we talk about much. It's really a, it's technically a letter. Um, it's only, if you look in your Bibles, it's only like a page, maybe a page and a half long, so it's really, really short. And uh, it's this guy named Paul. Okay, a lot of us have heard of, heard of Paul. He's writing a letter to this other guy named, guess what? Titus, right? Now, Titus was, uh, he was what the Jews would call a Gentile, okay? A Gentile is, just means you're not a Jew, okay? The Jews had names for that. And so uh, he, Titus is, is a Gentile like 
probably all of us in here, and uh, he's actually a Greek. And Titus, he actually got saved. He actually began, his, you know, trusting in Jesus as his Savior um, through listening to Paul as Paul was going around, he was, you know, all the Roman Empire, and they were telling people about what Jesus had done, and you know, everybody, people were, were giving their lives to Jesus. The church was growing, growing, growing. T- Titus, he's just one of those guys. And Titus actually attached himself to Paul. He, he went with Paul and hung out with Paul. And uh, Titus and Paul started traveling together, and they were going th- all throughout the Roman Empire, spreading this good news about what Jesus has done for, for everybody, just like what Jesus has done for everybody in here. Now, eventually, Paul and Titus, they end up on this island in the, in the middle of the the Mediterranean Sea called, uh, called Crete, okay? They're there, they're spreading the word, they're telling everybody about what Jesus has done, um, and, uh, and after, you know, after time, people are getting saved, and it's, it's, it's a great thing, Paul decides, hey, I'm going to leave, and I'm going to go um, spread the gospel somewhere else, but, he's, but he tells Titus, he says, hey, Titus, I want you to stay here and build up this church. Now, when I say build up the church, what I don't mean is, hey, go get the bricks and, you know, make the church bigger, add on additions, make the steeple really high, that type of thing. That's not what he's talking about, all right? They didn't have buildings, uh, church buildings back then. Back then, the ch- uh, church is really what it is today. The church is the people. Okay, look around. This is the church. Not this building, not this property, all right? This is the church. This property, this building is just a tool for the church, um, and so, and so Titus is left in Crete. He's there. He's helping them, um, you know, build the church and, and organize and, and coming together once a week to, to learn more about God and, and, and to read their Bibles and, and, uh, and to fellowship with each other, get to know each other uh, better. And, um, and, and Titus is there. And Titus has his hands full, right? Crete was known in the ancient world for their violence and their greed. Not the best place to raise a family. You know what I mean? Um, it's not where I would want to raise my family. In fact, uh, there was an ancient Cretan philosopher uh, who, his name was Epimenides, and he uh, wrote one time that Cretans were known for lying, for their evilness, and, uh, and for just being lazy. Okay, that's what they were known in the world for. Like the whole world knew Crete that way. Actually, Paul, he, uh, he acknowledges this to Titus in the beginning of his letter in Titus chapter 1. He says, hey, one of their very own prophets said, he's talking about Epimenides way back when. He's like, remember what he said? He says, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. Okay, this is what they were known. And then look what Paul says. He says, and this testimony is true. Right? Paul's like, yeah. What he wrote is, 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 is right. We've been there. You're there right now, Titus. You know that this is true. Basically what Paul's saying, he's like, man, you got your work cut out for you. And because of that, Paul writes this letter to this young guy named Titus to encourage him. And uh, today we're going to look at kind of how he wraps up this letter. So uh, we'll go to Titus chapter 3. This is what Paul says. He says, remind them. Now, who are them? That's an important question that we should be asking right at the beginning. Them is, uh, is the church. Them is us, okay? I know that's not correct English, uh, but, uh, but we, we are them. So he's saying, hey, remind the church, right? So this is for us here this morning, right? Every single one of us who have that relationship with God, which isn't everybody in here, but, uh, but probably most of us. He says, remind them to do a few things. He says, remind them to submit to the rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to slander no one, all right? What's slander mean? Slander means talking negative about somebody, okay? We do that a lot. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, all right? To avoid fighting and to be kind, always showing gentleness to, what's this say? 
all people. Dang, why do you have to put that? You ever wonder that? Like, uh, some people it's easy to show kindness to and gentleness. You know what I'm talking about? And then some people it's extremely difficult to. You're just like, ugh. It's like against every bone in your body. But here, Paul says, no, you got you to gotta show kindness to, to all people. All right, so for us here this morning, he's saying, hey, for Grace Community Church, let's put it in the context, uh, here in Tiffin, Ohio, he's saying, hey, you need to live the way that God tells you to live. That's your reminder, okay? Remind them to do that. And we all struggle to live this way. Every single person in here, okay, myself included, we all struggle to live this way because we don't like to submit to authority, all right? We talk negative about people all the time, and just because it's true doesn't mean you need to say it, you know? You know, uh, sometimes we could say something about somebody that's not necessarily negative, but just saying it in a certain tone makes it negative. All right, we do this all the time. We fight with others. We don't like to be kind. We definitely don't like to be gentle. And when we become a Christian, again, which isn't everybody in this room, the Bible tells us God he starts pointing this stuff out in our life. And those of you that are Christians, you know this to be true. All right, because it's not like, it's not easy. Right? It's not super comfortable right? as, as God starts shaping us. And as we become more spiritually mature, the more we realize how much we don't live this way. And so that's what Paul's saying. He said, hey, Titus, I'm wrapping up this letter. You got to, you know, Cretans are, are tough. All right, Ohioans, Tiffin people, Seneca County people are tough. All right, so remind them to do this, to live this way. And then he moves on. Okay, he says for. This is, he's connecting the thoughts here. He says, it's basically like because. He says, because of this. We, who's we? We, too, were once foolish. And when he says we, notice he doesn't say, um, you know, Hollywood or the media or that politician that you just cannot stand. He doesn't, he doesn't say that, right? He, he's talking about me and you. Right, he's saying, hey, we were once Foolish, real quick, just just because we we're not good at like uh, getting this. Um, but turn to someone that you know. Let's say someone that you know, real quick, and just say, "Hey, you were a fool. Just do it. You were a fool. You fool." <laughs> That's what Paul's saying, right? Paul's saying every single one of us who, even though we're a Christian now, he's saying, if, if, you, if we're a Christian now, he says, every single one of us, we were a fool. And here the word foolish, it mean, basically literally means spiritually stupid. He's saying we were spiritually stupid. And what he's doing here is he is reminding us of what we were before we gave our lives to Jesus. Now, a few weeks ago, remember we were talking about John? Dark and light. Okay, there we go. All right, all right. And we had like a light spot in the stage. We had this, this was darked out over here um, last month, I guess. But, uh, but remember what John was saying? This is the same thing. All right, John was saying, hey, we loved darkness rather than the light. All right, we were over here in darkness. We made excuses for why we were in darkness. We didn't want to go in the light because, because we loved the darkness rather than the light. And for us, the light looked dark and the dark looked light. All right, we were mixed up. We were messed up. We were spiritually stupid. <laughs> what we were supposed to love, we didn't love. And what we were not supposed to love, we loved a lot. For us, the right seemed wrong and the, and the wrong seemed right. See, our hearts, Paul's saying, is he's saying our hearts were just so messed up. Our hearts, we were so spiritually stupid. Next verse. 
or next part of the verse, he says, for we too were once foolish, we were stupid. He says, disobedient. Right, disobedient here, it doesn't mean like, hey, shoot, I accidentally, you know, accidentally made a mistake and uh, shoot, I shouldn't have done that. I lost my cool. I don't do that all the time, but it was just, just an accident. I didn't know. All right, no, disobedient means we, we chose to do wrong. Okay, every single one of us, we're all in this boat. We chose to do wrong. We chose to do the wrong thing. Again, we love the darkness. That's what, that's, what we were, that's what we wanted. We chose to do it that way. We were deceived. We were lied to. We were enslaved by various passions and pleasures, meaning our bodies ruled us, all right? Not our, our spirit, not our hearts. Uh, we were living in malice and, and envy. Envy meaning um, we, we weren't content with what we had. Right, we always wanted more. We always wanted what somebody else had. We looked at other people. We're like, man, they got us so lucky. I want, I want what they have. We were hateful and detesting each other. And so Paul, he kind of lists out this list uh, for us, and he's saying, he, he's saying, man, we were, we were so messed up. All right, every single one of us we were messed up. And by the way, let me just say this about the word hateful, okay? Because I don't think there's many people in here that view themselves as a hateful person. We don't like to this, you know. Uh, to not forgive somebody is a form of hate. Just throw that out there, wrap it up nice, hand it to you, and you can deal with that all on your own, okay? <laughs> to not forgive somebody all right, is 100% a form of hate no matter what they, what they did to you. Anyway, uh, some people in here, this is what you are now, Okay? Um, maybe you don't feel it on the surface. You're like, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not a, a foolish, disobedient, deceived, envious hater. You know, that's not, that's not me. I, I, didn't, I didn't do any, you know, I, I'm, I'm not that. It, let me just say this. If you think that you're a generally a good person, that's a good indication that you haven't handed your life over to Jesus yet. All right, if you think you are generally a good person, you have not, that's a good indication that you have not handed your life over to Jesus yet. And, and I talk to people all the time, and it kind of drives me crazy sometimes because I talk to people all the time who, who, you know, it's like it's so hard for them to admit that they have a problem. Why is that with us? Why is it so hard to admit that we have a problem? You know, and, and our problem isn't just a service problem. Our problem is deep in our hearts. The Bible says if we don't have a real relationship with Jesus, man, we're, we're lost. Right? We have no hope. And so for some of us in here, that's where we are. I mean, if we were truly honest with ourselves and we chose to be honest with ourselves and, and we weren't deceived by ourselves, right, we would look at this list and say, okay, yeah, I struggle with this. We all struggle with this. But, but we'd say, yeah, this is, this is me. And for those of us who are Christians, those of us we started that relationship with God, we have this like reputation of looking down on people who sin. Have you noticed that? Okay, some of it's warranted. Some of it, some of it is I, th I think it's not warranted. I think people just assume that Christians are like that because Christians try to do the right thing. All right, but but a lot of times I think Christian, you know, we give ourselves the bad name because because we look down on other people who. Who, uh, you know, who, who sin and we look down on, on sin. Um, think about this. Like real quick in your minds, think about the worst person that you can think of, okay? Not the worst basketball player, not the worst person in the office. I'm saying the worst person morally that you can think of, okay? Like in your mind, you don't even have to know this person, all right? Just think about it. You got, you got your person? Nope. Okay. <laughs> you guys, 
Wake up, people. All right. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's your coworker. Maybe it's your ex, okay? Uh, maybe it's your parents, some politician that you just can't stand, drives you crazy. All right, this is what Paul's saying, okay? That worst person morally, I'm only talking morally here, the worst person morally that you could think of in your life, this is what Paul's saying. Don't think for a second you're better than that guy. Or woman, okay? Be politically correct, all right? That's how we were born. Right, you didn't have to teach your kids to fight with each other. Like, they just did it. Right, have you experienced that? Right, you, didn't have to teach your kids to, <laughs> you didn't have to teach your kids to lie. Right, they just, they just learned to lie. Right, a few weeks ago, I was, um, I was getting ready to leave for work. It was in the morning, and Kate, she called me into the kitchen. She was like, Zach, you need to come deal with Toby. And I'm like, oh, man, okay. So I go up, and I'm like, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm dad, I'm going to come down, I'm going to lay down the law, stop messing with your mom, you know, what, what's, what's the deal here? And Toby, he, he's my five-year-old, he's like in this corner where the fridge is right here and the wall is right here, and he's just like, like backed in this corner, it looked at it, never, you know, I was just like, what is going on in here? And, uh, and I look at him, and he's got blue all around his face, okay, his face is all blue, he's, he's not dying, okay, he's, he ate something, and he's got, he's, it's all on his lips, it's in his mouth, I mean, his whole like... From here to here, chin is all, like, blue. And she's like, he told me that he didn't eat anything. And I'm like, well, obviously he did. So I go to him, and I'm like, Toby, you know, what did you eat? And he's like, nothing. Lie to me. His own father. Can you believe that? I'm like, dude, you're evil, punk kid. And I'm looking, and I'm like, well, Toby, you ate something. I want to know what did you eat. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't eat anything. And I'm like, well, he obviously had candy from, like, uh, you know, Halloween or something. And I'm like, well, did you have any candy? No, I didn't, I didn't eat anything. And so then I'm like, you, you give him the benefit of, of, of a doubt. I'm like, well, what did you put in your mouth? Like, did he eat a marker or something that wasn't food? You know, I'm, like, trying to help him out. He's like, I didn't put anything in my mouth. I'm like, you're a liar. And I'm like, I'm like well, Toby... So we go back, we, we go through, I'm like, you haven't touched anything, you haven't eaten anything, no, 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 I haven't done anything, and he's back in this corner, and I'm like, well, I have to punish you. And Kate, actually, she was, it was so, it was kind of funny, because again, it's all over his face, and so she had to leave the room because she was laughing. I'm like, that's not a good, you know, message, and I'm like suppressing my laugh, but I'm like, I feel bad, because I'm like, I gotta, I gotta punish this kid, and I'll be honest, in our house, we, we spank, and, uh, and I have no apologies about that. I'm going to have some good kids someday, all right? But anyway, so I pick him up, and as I pick him up to take him down to his room to take care of business, I notice he's got a sucker in his hand behind. I didn't know the whole time. And I was like, Toby, and then he's caught, and then he's bawling. And I take him downstairs, and I spanked him, all right, and uh, didn't want to deal with that again. And he's mad, and I leave him on his bed, and he's crying, and, and I, got, I got to go to work. But then five minutes later, I decide, you know what, I'm going to go back in there. And uh, I go back in there, I pick him up, again, he's still crying, and I take him into the bathroom, and I turn on the light, and I'm like, look at yourself. And he looks over, he's like, oh. He said, that's how you knew. And I'm like, yeah, don't lie to me, all right? I didn't have to teach him that. All right? He didn't have to go to school to learn how to lie. He did that. All on his own. See, this is what Paul's trying to get us to understand. He's saying, hey, we are messed up people. That is why we need saving. That's the reason. 
Right? Every single one of us, we were messed up people. And if we are a Christian now, if we're truly a Christian, which just because you think you're a Christian doesn't mean that you are. Right? We'll get to that. But if we're a Christian now, Paul's saying that's what we were. Every single one of us. He's saying, I was that. You were that. He's saying, we had no hope, but God stepped in. In verse 4, he says, but when, this is one of the best verses in all the Bible, so like focus in here. All right, think of this, you know, whatever. It says this. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love, why did he have love? I don't know, all right? And his love for mankind just appeared one day, he's saying he saved us. He's saying it just appeared. Like, like so this God, right, God was so kind to us, and he didn't have to be. He didn't owe us anything, right? It's not like, it's not like he was saying, hey, wow, you know, you know, you guys are so good. He just chose to be. I don't know why. He's saying that God just appeared one day, and he appeared in a way that you wouldn't expect. And as we're getting close to, to Christmas, you know, we all know the stories, but, but it, you know, God didn't come down like if I were God. I feel like I'd come down on like a champion horse. You know, I'd be coming down, clouds be, you know, angels be by my side. I'd, you know, light, beams of light, you know, people, I'd be blinding people. You know, I'd be doing all kinds of stuff. By the way, God is coming down. He is going to come that way someday in the future. He just hasn't done it yet. And, uh, but that's not, how, no, that's the way you would expect, like, the God of the universe to show up on the scene. That's not how God did it. I remember how God did it. He just appeared one night as a baby, born as a baby, to a couple of poor parents that had hardly anything. They weren't even home. They were, they were, on, a, you know, they were on a trip, and, uh, and he was born during that, and, and they, he wasn't even in like a real building. It was in like a barn, okay? It wasn't in a palace like you'd think a king should be born in, like all other kings of the world were born in. No, he was born in a barn. See, he showed up in the way that we least expected it, and, and he showed up to save us just when we needed him the most. Paul's like, that's, that's the gospel. Right? That's the good news. And then Paul tells us why, and then he's going to tell us how. So he's saying, this is why. He's saying he saved us, not by works of righteousness that we have done. Okay, this is, this is where we all get, this is where a bunch of people get confused. This is where a bunch of people, you know, get messed up. They're, they're like, wait, well, you know. He's saying he didn't come because we were so good. He didn't come because we were so lovable. When we do something wrong, God doesn't laugh like Kate and I, you know, we're, we're laughing at Toby. You know, that's not, that's not how God treats us because God takes sin seriously, very seriously. In fact, Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin, the price of sin is what? Death. He's saying sin equals death. See, for us, we view ourselves as yeah, pretty good people. You know, we're pretty good. We're pretty good people who occasionally lose control with our anger and uh, who accidentally do wrong once in a while. You know, we've made, we've made a few mistakes. You know, after all, God can't expect us to be, like, perfect. You know what I mean? Um, you know, that's too high of a standard. But God doesn't view us that way. God doesn't go, he doesn't look at me um, and say, wow, Zach, you're so good. You're nice to people. You give so much away. Man, you're so, so kind. You've done a lot of good stuff in your life. Man, I am impressed. Good for you. It's not how God views me. 
It's not how God views you. What Paul is reminding us is how God views us. He's saying, hey, God didn't show up at the scene because he was impressed by us. Not even close. He's saying that's not why, but this is why. He says this is the reason he came because uh, it was according to his mercy, meaning God, for some reason, chose to show us mercy. For some reason, again, I don't know why, God felt compassion on us, and he chose to show us mercy even though we rejected him, even though we were foolish, disobedient, deceived, envious haters, like what Paul's saying. So why did he come to save us? Because he wanted to. Why did he want to? I don't know. But he wanted to. Because of his mercy, he chose to show us his mercy. And then Paul describes how. He says, and this is how he did it. He did it through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Now, what the heck does that mean? Right, there's some big, big words. See, what Paul's doing is he's describing what happens when we make a decision uh, to hand our lives over to Jesus, which everybody in this room has not made. Okay, let's just be honest. See, Jesus came. He lived a perfect life, okay? He died. This happened around 2,000 years ago, give or take a few years. And, and he paid for everything that we ever did wrong, okay? The Bible calls that sin. When we do something wrong, the Bible calls that sin. It's wrong, right? And, and why did he do that? Well, because God takes sin seriously. Because God is a perfect judge, right? And, and a perfect judge would say that, yeah, if you do something wrong, it has to be punished or it has to be paid for. And so what God did, okay, this is crazy. God took care of that price. So we have all done, you know, so much. If, if I were God, you know, it's just crazy because, you know, you'd think after the, like, the one millionth chance that God has given us to do right, you know, you'd think that he would say, okay, no more chances. That's not what God did. That's what I maybe would do if I were God. That's not what God does. Right? God comes down, he lives a perfect life, and, and we end up putting him to death. And, uh, and when he's on that cross, the Bible says that he pays for everything that we've ever done wrong. Why did he have to do that? Because he's the perfect judge, and wrong must be paid for. And so every single one of us, we have this huge amount of debt, this more, you know, bigger debt than we could ever imagine, than we could ever even think, that we can ever even realize. And God looks at that, and that's what he sees when he sees our sin. He sees that debt, and he took that debt, and he paid for it himself. And it cost him. And now we all get the opportunity to choose to follow him. Now what, what do you mean, choose to, to follow him? Meaning a conscious decision to give up control of our lives. Knowing that he, Jesus, died for us and paid it. Paid our debt. And all we got to do is tell God. It's not super complicated. God's not trying to trick us. That's some, like, mystery. He's just saying, hey, no, you just got just to do it. You just got to talk. It takes conversation. It's a prayer. See, it's free for you, but it cost him. I mean, he went to the cross for it. See, when we truly make the decision, something happens in our life, right? And, uh, and something happens in God's eyes. The Bible tells us, this is what Paul's alluding to. He's saying, hey, God washes us. All right, spiritually, okay, washes our hearts. Instead of seeing our sin, he sees Jesus' perfection. I mean, think about that. Isn't that crazy? 
Instead of seeing our dirt and our evil and our filth, that is what our hearts actually are, if we're honest with ourselves, all right? God, when we choose to make that decision to, to go to Jesus or to trust in Jesus to get to heaven or to start that relationship with Jesus, he's saying when we do that, God looks at us and he doesn't see our filth anymore. He actually sees Jesus' perfection because there is no death there anymore. The dead's gone. He took care of it. And so Paul, what he's doing is he's describing this washing in two different ways. The first way, he says, he talks about the washing of regeneration. A better maybe translation for that word, a more easier translation is just rebirth. Okay, he's saying, hey, when we make that decision to follow Jesus, and, and that happens in a moment in our life, we weren't always Christians, that's not how it works, is when we make that decision to follow Jesus, he's saying, hey, something happens in that moment. He's saying, we become a new person. Regeneration. He says it's like rebirth. It's like we become somebody new. Literally, uh, one minute we're one person, and the next minute after that decision, we're somebody else. That's how God views us spiritually. Right? Something that happens in every single one of us that truly are uh, Christians. We've experienced that in our life. And, it's, and then he mentions renewal. Renewal, this is just the process. It's what God, it's God in our lives working on us, changing us, um, you know, pointing out the sin, pointing out the things in our lives that shouldn't be there. It's not always comfortable. And those of us who are Christians, this is a process that goes throughout our entire life where we become more and more and more like him. Paul, he actually reiterates in verse six, in the next verse he says, this is what he does. He says, God poured out his spirit on us abundantly through Jesus. See, God didn't go around and he just say, okay, you're a Christian, you want a relationship with me? Awesome, here's some spirit. All right, here's some spirit, here's that, here's that, here's that. He's like, I'm, I'll help you out a little bit, I'll help you out a little bit, I'll help you out a little bit. That's not, that's not what God does. God's like, no, no, oh, you want a relationship with me? Well, check this out, I'm gonna pour my Myself into you because I have a because I'm abundantly you know he's saying I'm going to be poured out his spirit on us abundantly through Jesus our Savior on what he did on that cross so that having been justified by his grace justified meaning he looks at us and he doesn't see our filth anymore he sees God's perfection and his purity and he says we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life it's like as if not having to pay for our sin wasn't enough, or as if not hap- you know, having, getting his spirit poured out abundantly, if that wasn't enough, it's like he's saying, hey, no, no, it's way more than that. We get to become heirs of Jesus, meaning his stuff becomes our stuff. And, and, and he's saying, plus on top of that, he'll give you eternal life, meaning you get to live with him forever someday. I mean, as a Christian, we look at this and it's like, how awesome is that? We've heard it so many times that we just kind of brush over it. No, this should be new to us every single time because it does something. It should, shape, it should shape us. How awesome is that we were so messed up that God came in, he saved us, it cost him, he paid the price, and now we get to have that relationship with our creator, the God of the universe. That's the gospel. And Paul is telling us this for an explanation for why we were to do a couple of things at the beginning. Remember? See, those that don't have have a relationship with Jesus yet, the thing that you you should get out of today, at least, is this. You need one. 
Right? Just because you say that you're a Christian or claim to be a Christian, that doesn't make you a Christian. Right? The question is, have you actually come to the point in your life where you made a conscious decision to hand your life over to Jesus? The Bible's saying, hey, you need to be washed. Like, you need to be saved. There's no other way. There is no amount of good that you can do to get to heaven. There's only two ways to pay for your sin. Either you spend eternity in hell paying for it, or Jesus pays for it in your place. Those are the only two ways. See, I think many people, they come to church because, honestly, because I think they think it'll help them, you know, it'll make them a better person, they'll sin less, they'll do less wrong, um, they'll, uh, you know, it'll make their life better. And, and a lot of those people, it's like their, their attitude is, um, is, hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a fairly good person. We look at sin and it's like, you know, sin, yeah, I lost my cool here today and that, that knocked me down to God's JV team. You know, or, or God put me on probation. I, I did this, I shouldn't have done this. It's like, I feel like I'm on like probation and God. No, no, the Bible says sin equals death. That's what we deserve. We've sinned once. We're in trouble. The Bible saying, no, we're foolish, disobedient, deceived, envious, haters. And maybe we put on a good front. But some of you, if you're honest with yourself, you're like, man, that, that's me. Deep down inside, that's me. I only care about myself. And it's not like you can limp your way into heaven on your own. You can't do that. See, that's the gospel. That's the good news. That's the most important truth that you could ever have or ever know or ever hear in your entire life. And that is the truth that this church is built on. And so my challenge for, for you today is, man, really examine yourself. Like, look past the surface, look down deep, and maybe for the first, maybe you're being honest with yourself for the first time in a long time, and you're like, you know what, I guess I don't know 100%, I'm 50%, 50%'s not good enough. Maybe you're coming to the place in your life where you're like, yeah, I don't know if I've actually made that decision to follow Jesus. I don't think I formally made that decision. You're like, that's me. I just want to lead you real quick in a, in a prayer. Again, it's a conversation between you and God. It has nothing to do with me and it's no certain amount of words, okay? Um, but the Bible says we need to go to God and we need to tell him. Okay, you don't have to talk out loud. God knows your every thought. But let's all just pray real quick. Um, it's a hard issue and it's between you and God. And I encourage you, if you don't know 100% that you have that real relationship with God, I encourage you to pray something like this. Uh, God, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm not good enough. There's no amount of good that I can do to impress you or to get to heaven. All right, I need you. I need what you did. I can't pay my enormous amount of debt. It's impossible. God, I need you to pay for it. And God, I want that relationship with you, and I want to start that right now. And God, I thank you. I don't know why you did it, but I thank you so much for coming and saving a person like me. Amen. Something like that. If you haven't done that before, I'd encourage you 
to do it if you haven't done it just now. Do it today. There's no better day to do it. You're not guaranteed any certain amount of time. And if you've done that, let me just say this. If you did that this morning, let me encourage you. Put that down on your card, right? The card that we all fill out, right? All right, put that down on your card. Drop it off the, at the offering plate as you leave. They're just standing there. Everybody else will be dropping their cards in there too, right? Okay. But put that, and all we're going to do is we'll send you a text this week. Okay, we're not going to show up on your doorstep. We're not going to throw a huge party. You know, we're not going to do anything, anything crazy. We'll just send you a text, and if you don't want to answer that text, you have my permission to not answer the text, okay? I'm not going to hold you to it. All right, well, all we're going to say is, hey, how you doing? You know, you have any questions, anything like that? The Bible says that if you did just make that decision, that you are now a new person. All right, you've been like rebirthed spiritually. God, you know, you're different than how you were three minutes ago. All right, and now you're also beginning the process of renewal is what Paul says, this process where God is, starts picking apart our life and he starts pointing out the things in our life that shouldn't be there. That's awesome. Now, for those of us who have a relationship with Jesus and you know 100%, you know, you made that decision, you're, you're locked in, you're set. All right, remember the few things that Paul told us, the whole point of this was to remind the church, us here this morning, um, of what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to li- live our life. Remember, here's the list. He's saying, all you need to do is submit to those in authority, do good, never talk negative about someone else, don't fight, be kind, and show gentleness to some people, not j- all people. Right, none of us in this room are good at doing any of these things. Don't fool yourself, Okay. Um, just because we know we should be doing those things, you know, doesn't mean that we're good at it. Uh, I know I'm not good at any of those. Um, and so here's your list. Right here this morning, this is what Paul is telling us. This is what God's telling us. He's saying, hey, remind the church to live like this. Good luck. All right, let's pray. God, we, um, God, thank you for saving us. Man, we needed saving. We had no hope. There's no possible way that we could pay the, the debt that we owed. Even from one sin against a, an infinite, holy, perfect God, let alone the, if we're honest with ourselves, millions and billions of sins that we've done, you know, wrong things that we've done throughout our entire life. God, we need your help. And we thank you for telling us that you'll moving in, that you, that you move into our life and you start pointing out those things that shouldn't be there. And God, we, uh, Lord, we ask that we become more like you and that we reach others and we base everything that we do based off of this central truth, this good news that you've given us. And again, we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.